Hi there, and welcome to All Things Montessori, a podcast devoted to discussing aspects of the Montessori approach to child development. If you're a guide in the classroom, a parent of a Montessori child, or someone who is just trying to learn more about it, we cover it all. My name is Rachel Larson, and I'm a Montessori teacher and an administrator, and I'm joined by Jamie Rue, AMI trainer and Montessori consultant. With parent-teacher conferences quickly approaching, Jamie and I thought it'd be a good idea to sit down and talk through everything that goes into a parent-teacher conference. What goes into it from the teacher's side? What preparation happens? How do we feel when we're doing all of that? What happens in the meeting? And then we also looked at what it feels like to be on the parent side. What does it feel like to talk to your teacher about your child? Anyway, we tried to go through the whole process on both sides, and we thought it really relevant for this time of year. Enjoy. So as you're preparing for conferences, what would you say are some tips for teachers to keep in mind while they're writing their conference reports and then actually in the conference themselves? So let's actually start with writing those long beautiful conference reports. <laughs> what do you think about that? Well, I mean, I had to say, I have to say I never had to write them. Oh, wow. Uh, we did not do, we did not do long conference reports at my school. And I am grateful for that. And I, I wouldn't change a thing about that. We had a, we had a small form where we tracked attendance, uh, some basic skills, and, um, and, and that was, and, and maybe I put, you know, independent research or, or the book we were reading right now. Uh, but I think that's all that was on that, um, small form. And, and I can say from a trainer and teacher and parent perspective, I really don't want teachers spending all the time that they spend preparing a conference report for me. I'd rather get the information just directly from the teacher. And I know teachers spend up to an hour per child on those conference reports. So that means 30 hours prior to conferences, teachers are not preparing new lessons for my child, not researching new things or, or planning something new or stopping at the grocery store to get needed supplies. They're, they're spending 30 hours outside of the school day preparing those reports. So true. I'm, my my school has since changed them, the school I used to work for as a teacher. But, um, you know, m in my first year teaching, my form was like pages long. And there was narratives about each subject and the child. And I, I mean, I should count how many words I wrote <laughs> for those. <laughs> um, because you're right, it did take away from, you know, my main job my main job being the guide to the children. And of course, the parent-teacher conferences are super important. However, I don't think every parent was going over theirs in great detail, as I had done. You know what I'm saying? I, I didn't read. I didn't read the ones for my children. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to those teachers. I mean, they know because I told them. Of course. Uh, and, I, and I know administrators are going to be concerned about this. However, I think that there are ways to build parent relationships that don't require 
a, you know, 1500 word document about their child, there are other ways that you can build the relationship and, and, and give parents the information that they need. Mm -hmm. And my concern is just that the report takes away from, from all that classroom time. And I know, I mean, I've talked to, you know, hundreds of teachers about this and it's an exhausting process. And it's not that there isn't benefit to sitting and reflecting on a child like that, but because it becomes part of this permanent sort of record, uh, it takes an immense amount of a teacher's time. So I, um, so as far as conference reports, like I'm not a, I'm, I never had to do them mm-hmm. like that. We did do end of year progress reports. So I have a little bit of understanding from that perspective about it. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the year, I had time to do that because it was the school year was over. And so I could write those, re, you know, reports about the progress of the entire year. Sure. Uh, quite comfortably. So what do you but what do you think, regardless of what your conference report looks like, what do you think the most important things for a teacher to be communicating? You know, what what should we really be? What should teachers be thinking about and sort of it's like their main bullet points I know it is specific to every child I know that (laughs) but what do you think is sort of the the main events of these of these uh meetings of a a regular parent teacher conference yeah so generally these happen what twice a year Mm -hmm. and you know my my sort of formula for them is to start with a positive anecdote about the child that shows that I know the child. Uh, So something that displays my understanding of this particular personality. Um, And then I like to make sure parents understand that while I have some things to share, the most important part of this meeting is uh, their concerns or questions. Sure, of course, of Uh, course. And I start with that, you know, I want them to, and I want them to also know that if we don't have enough time in this scheduled conference, we will schedule another one. Mm-hmm. And I, I try to set that boundary really clearly because the two ways I've done conferences is either, uh, you know, two full days of, we, we, you know, we close the school and it's conference time. And so I have to get all 30 or 25 conferences in, in two days. So it's pretty darn scheduled. Mm-hmm. Or it's been half days, you know, like I work with children in the morning and then I'm scheduled all afternoon with uh, parents. So uh, if you're really well scheduled and tightly scheduled, just be sure parents understand that you have to get to that next meeting and you will, you know, you can reschedule time uh, to be able to meet their needs. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I generally... Uh, have some work available for the parents to view. I have some, you know, sort of bullet points about this child and where they are academically that I want to share. And some also some observations about the child's social and emotional progress. And then I try to sort of end the conference uh, with a, um, you know, with another sort of reassurance about how much I appreciate their, you know, extraordinary child and Mm -hmm. and how I'm so glad that we've had the time to work together absolutely I think those and I I would also show them their work journal and things like that and I Mm -hmm. found that that made them so much more at ease and then 
I love, I, I did the same thing where I would sort of start off with their questions because that kind of crafts the conversation because if you don't go into it that way, I feel like they're not going to feel like they can bring it up maybe or you're going to run out of time because this is one of those instances where this really is for the parent. I mean, it's for you too. You're going to get great insight, which will also help their child. But this is this is for them. They're, you're, they're there for you to listen to, you know? Um, and to help. Um, and, and I really think that they deserve that time. Um, and they don't want to just come and be talked at, right? <laughs> they want to get in there. Right. And at the end of the day, I think they just, they want to hear nice things about their child, even if there are some, you know, more awkward and uncomfortable things that you also have to talk about. <laughs> Always start positive. That is, that is super helpful. Absolutely. I mean, I'll, I will never forget my first year of teaching. I had a family of, you know, a couple come in for their conference and I began like I did with every other child with a positive anecdote about this child. Mm -hmm. And by the time I was done, the mom was almost sobbing. And she said, it's the first time I've come to a conference and heard something good about my child. Oh, that just breaks my heart. And Right. And whether or not that was absolutely true, it does highlight how powerful it is. Now, this child was extremely um, uh, willful <laughs> and and uh, definitely uh, uh, had a, an extraordinary presence in our classroom. But even though there were some things that we had to discuss about how to manage some of the, you know, some of the challenges or, or, or struggles this child was having, having in a variety of ways, there are still really wonderful things about, about that child that I can share. Um, and that was really powerful for me and my first, this is my first parent teacher conferences ever. And to have had that happen, you know, really just reiterated for me how important it is to start with that, um, with that positive story that shows how much you know and love this child. Cause parents, that's really important to parents to know that, you know, and love their child. Exactly. Um, because at the end of the day, when they know that, you know, and love their child, they're going to trust you more. And they're going to pretty much just, that trust is just going to grow and grow because even if things are going wrong in the classroom or whatever, if there are any number of things that could be happening, they're going to look at you as an ally Right. And um, mm-hmm. and that is that's so valuable because if they don't feel like that, then it's hard to build up that relationship um, if you don't start it off that way. And a good way to start it off, you know, besides the beginning of the year when you're doing all those events and saying hi to everybody at Carline and looking like you're not tired and exhausted. This is your time to really like forge that relationship. Um, especially if you're a new teacher and also if you're an existing one too, you have to keep it up no matter how many years you've been in the classroom, <laughs> you know? Yeah, you do. I mean, it does get a little bit easier because your relationship sort of proceeds or your reputation precedes you, mm-hmm. you know? So you do, if you build the reputation of being accessible and being, you know, and being reasonable with, um, with the parents, you know, that does, that does help, um, but you also, you do have to maintain this kind of reputation. You have to be accessible and you have to be someone who's going to share, you know, the important information. 
Um, you know, and to that end, if you do have some serious concerns about something with a particular child, the regularly scheduled conference should not be the first time a parent is hearing about these concerns. So yeah, very true. If you second week of school are concerned about the reading level or some aggression or physical violence, don't wait until the late October, mid-November conferences to bring this to a parent's attention. Uh, Mm -hmm. These regularly scheduled conferences should be something that parents look forward to because the because they know that they're just going to have a productive partnership conversation about their child. And then those other issues that both good and, and, and opportunities for growth, (laughs) um, we should make sure we're addressing as they happen uh, so that parents don't start to dread the conference time. Absolutely. I mean, I've, I've made that mistake for sure during my first year thinking, oh, I'll just wait to address that. I mean, it wasn't anything really intense, but I probably should have said something sooner. And just because I was new, I just didn't think I could handle it or do it. And I was sort of navigating new waters and I didn't know. Um, And again, it was nothing really intense, but I felt like at the conference sort of like, oh, that was an these people are nice and they're great. I could have just come to them a month sooner. And then we could have had a more productive conversation at the conference, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's really, really true. Absolutely. Really true. Um, and I think it's easy to feel a little scared of parents. Yes. Um, but the reality is, you know, those of us in classrooms have the, we're highly trained to work with children. We have some, you know, authority and expertise and, and we should feel confident in that. And parents have the expertise in their own particular child. So those two sort of areas of expertise working together can be just extraordinary and amazing. You know, we can have such a powerful impact on the child's, you know, self-construction if we're using those together. But we can't ignore the expertise that the parents can offer. So true, because that's just going to create conflict and then nothing is going to be done in the benefit of the child. It's, it's just going mm-hmm. to become a power struggle and then um, you'll sort of just move backwards. Um, I think you're really right. You need to, you need to work together. This is something I kind of remember from training and I don't, I could be making it up, but didn't Maria Montessori say something about how the parent, the child and the guide are just a triangle or was it the environment? Am I making, I think I'm making it up. I don't know. The parents are an important part. I think she might use it in two, you know, two ways mm-hmm. with the environment, but also with the parents. Mm-hmm. Like we have a really, you know, it is, it is a partnership, um, which means, you know, we, they're a, they're a storehouse of knowledge for us about this particular child. And, and we really want them to feel partnered and connected in their child's education. So at conference time, it's important that we, help parents feel that, that I value you. I value your perspective. We are working together as a team, mm-hmm. even though for six or seven hours a day, I'm with, you know, a group of children without you, <laughs> Right. you're still a team. You're still this team member. Here. Right. And I think since Montessori is a specialized um, type of an education model, 
they can feel like an outsider even more sometimes because mm-hmm. we just speak and Montessori speaks sometimes or it doesn't mm-hmm. it's not it's not normal to them not every parent coming in the door is a Montessori child most of them are like I read about Montessori I think it's really great awesome and some of them do more research but I but I think that's just yeah they Montessori parents I, I've just seen like they they can feel a little bit more like an outsider more like a oh, I, I don't really know what's going on at school. And just and that causes worry and all those sorts of things. So we have to be really careful in the conference not to use Montessori jargon. Right. <laughs> you know, use, I mean, seriously, no, like use right. language that is inclusive and helps a parent understand and not feel like they're being talked down to. Exactly. You know, that definitely right. helps um, helps the conference process. Mm-hmm. Um and we also need to be really careful not to judge uh, parents and their parenting style. Mm-hmm. Very true. Uh, I mean, at least not. <laughs> we can't say that to them. Right. You I know, mean, it, I mean yeah. it's hard to. We all have our own judgments and it's hard to sort of stop that. But we have to recognize and come in with the assumption and the idea that Every parent loves their child deeply and is doing the very best that they know how to do and are capable of doing. And so, you know, we have to approach every parent with that, with that mentality. Um, I mean, you just have to think of them like the children in a way, meet them where they are, you know? (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, it's how we should sort of live our lives is meeting everyone where they are and, Mm -hmm. and supporting in the way that they're. you know, in what they need. Absolutely. And also the other thing, particularly with parents, is that we don't know. I mean, each of us as adults has our own educational baggage that we bring with us, our own experiences with school and experiences with teachers and experiences with certain content knowledge. So we have to be very aware that parents could be coming not only with love and concern for their own child, but with some of their own sort of bag, you know, school experience stuff mm-hmm. that's still, that's still coming along with them. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's important to sort of pay it, pay attention to body language, pay attention to what they don't say, you know, we, and, and this is what makes um, parent conferences really intense because it is, you know, you're meeting with people you don't know very well and you're trying to understand them and convey some of information about their child in a really short time period. So, you know, they're, they're, uh, it's an exhausting experience for the teacher, e- you know, even though they're so important. I mean, I don't know that there's any other way to get around it. I know. And, I mean, and, it's just, but, it, it, but you're right. It's like back to back to back and you're just giving all you can in that, what, 20 to 30 minute window. Yeah, no, I mm-hmm. know. It's really, really mm-hmm. hard. Um, I also was going to say, take notes. I took notes um, and then I typed them up afterward. I know you're so tired and you don't want to look at your computer and it's terrible, but it really helped me keep it fresh in my mind Um, because fact of the matter is the things that are brought up in any meeting with any parent, they're going to come up again because you're either going to be updating them that it's better or you're going to have more and more conversations. So it's good to just keep your mind fresh. I found that taking notes helped me. Um, just afterwards, yeah. just jotting down a few things or I don't know. Uh, yeah. Or if you can take notes during the, during the conference, ideally by hand. Mm-hmm. A computer oh yeah. Don't have your computer. Tends to get in the way. Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> 
some other things to remember when you're, you know, avoiding Montessori jargon, but also avoid um, making the parents feel that you are in any way diagnosing their child with a special need or something else or comparing their child to someone else. Yes. So, um, you know, we as teachers with just teacher training are in no way, shape or form qualified to make any sort of diagnosis. So just, just putting that out there. (laughs) You may want to, you, you may think in your head that you are certain and you could very well be right. Absolutely. But you're right. You have to go in and say, all we can really talk about is what we're seeing in the classroom. That's it. And we can't, you know, it's just like scientific observation, just like you did in training. You're just relaying what you're seeing in class and through academics and through, you know, emotional, social, all of those things. And, you know, during that time, though, the parent is going to hear those things, especially if they hear it a couple times and they're going to figure it out on their own. Um, And also, this is something that I want to stress, too. And I don't know how you feel about this, Jamie. Um, If you're feeling nervous about a parent-teacher conference and you have an administrator or a mentor or somebody who could sit in there with you, definitely do that. I did that my first year um, in one or two, and it helped a lot. Yep. (laughs) Not that I couldn't do it by myself. But I felt I felt like someone had my back if I was sort of going to scramble for an answer. And while this person didn't talk barely at all, it just helped me feel supported. Um, yeah. So if you have to have any uncomfortable conversations or if you just want extra support, I would not be afraid to ask because that's what your administration is there for. Yeah, truly. absolutely. Uh, and and you might not sometimes you might not know ahead of time that you've that you've got that you need that extra support. So definitely once you do know, you know, feel free to reach out to your administrator and say that you, that you need that. And it's not that parents are scary or anything, but sometimes because this is talking about their child is really sensitive for most Mm -hmm. parents and it can, and it can incite any number of emotions in a parent because it's so close to our hearts. And sometimes those emotions might get the better of our self-control Absolutely, as parents. And so it's not surprising that sometimes there could be a very emotional reaction from a parent that makes a teacher somewhat uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, you know, it's human nature most of the time. Um, But if you need, you know, if you feel like you need another person there for that, or if you need another person just to help you articulate what's being seen, of course. Um, and again, just couch it with the, you know, we're all here to support you and support support this child. Yeah, parents won't even bat an eye at that usually. They're sort of, I mean, if it's a if it's a school they feel comfortable at, I mean, it's, it's pretty normal, yep. I think. Yep. Um, and then when you wind down the conference... Try to have another positive story about the child. Yes. Positive stories. Go in prepared. You don't want to be sitting there trying to think of a positive story. I mean, and honestly, to me, that's, you know, really making sure that you've got those two positive stories to anchor the conference in um, Mm -hmm. is, is a way better use of preparation time than going through the record keeping and trying to write down every lesson that was given or... Or think through how to say he's progressing as I would expect. I mean, all of those, I would, I would much rather that you're really thinking about those anecdotes that show that you know 
and really get this child and and love this child. You know, mm-hmm. I think those go a long way. Oh, absolutely. So we've talked a little bit about parents, but I want to delve into that a little bit more about what it feels like from the parents perspective. And I know you're a Montessori guide and parent, but um, can you speak a little bit about how it feels to be on the other side? Um, maybe what to expect or how to feel prepared for a parent teacher conference? Oh, interesting. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I have lived and breathed this, you know, as pregnant with my first child while I was in training. So Mm -hmm. my original elementary training. So my kids are now 16 and 19. Um, But so, so going into parent teacher conferences, I probably had different expectations than most parents because I wanted those positive anecdotes and I didn't care as much about all the data because I felt like I had a pretty good understanding of my children and where they were because of my training, right? Because I knew what to look for. Um, And so it was when I didn't get a clear sense from the teacher that they knew my kid that I uh, was most sort of disappointed. Um, Mm -hmm. That makes sense. You know, and, and that doesn't have to happen just at the conference. It can happen you know, at any other, a number of other places. But if they couldn't convey that to me, that that was hard. And even even teachers whose styles differed from mine significantly, or perhaps we disagreed pedagogically on some things, uh, even some of those teachers could display that they knew, you know, knew and loved my child. Right, right. right that right. meant a mm-hmm. lot to me, even if we were having, you know, a pedagogical disagreement. Can you imagine these poor teachers that had to have me as a parent? Um, I can't. I really, <laughs> I, I'm, oh God, I can't imagine. But, and so I think that's the, that's what I'm usually looking for. And, and, um, and I think, you know, because of my training and stuff, I felt pretty confident about how we were working with our, with our children, but I have been, you know, we have had to manage some things with our children uh, as well. And I've been really grateful when teachers have just called me about that. You know, don't wait for the conference. They call and they say, listen, I want to let you know what we're seeing. And this can be teachers I've known well and teachers who I've hardly ever, you know, spent much time with. And both mm-hmm. and in both, you know, sort of situations, I've been really grateful to have the teachers reach out and communicate with us. Yeah, I think it all comes back to communication. I think that is like number one for your parent-teacher relationship. Conferences all year, I mean, it just, it goes back again and again to maybe just reaching out, even if you think it's too soon or not a big deal, it's always better to talk instead of not talking, you know? Yep. It is. It really is. And it's good to build that relationship. So, I mean, I really encourage teachers to keep a list of all the parents and within every month, try to make sure that you've had a a meaningful interaction with each parent. And if you haven't, Mm -hmm. then get on the phone and call them. Yeah. Um, It'll take five to 10 minutes of your day and it'll mean the world to them. Yep. And to make sure that you're not only calling or contacting parents when something 
something bad, bad has happened, happened that you're yeah off. right yeah. like reaching out to them just because something really amazing happened or even something really ordinary but it was just a lovely ordinary day I mean all of those things are are powerful for parents those of us that are parents know like when you hear something just positive or something just like oh yeah you know he really dug into that task and that's his personality that's just nice to hear as a parent so yeah as much as we can convey that to parents and if that means staying late one night a week or getting there super early one morning um you know do that so that you can see those see those parents and and build that relationship and then that makes the the twice a year conferences that much that much smoother. Oh, sure. If you, yeah, if you have already, if you already have that relationship, if you've put in the time there, then your relationship's going to just get stronger. And ultimately your teaching with the child in question will be better because you're all on the same page supporting the process and the child, you know? Yep. And you know that you can trust and communicate with one another. So I, um, I used to joke that, you know, Parents would almost never, they just never, they, I could almost do anything by the end of my time in the classroom because they trusted me so much <laughs> and they would think, oh, you know, Janie has a good reason for doing that. And that was after years, you know, it certainly wasn't what I had the first few years I was in the classroom, but it was after years of building the relationship and proving that I was accessible and proving that I wanted to hear their concerns and work toward resolution. And so that really virtually eliminated the sort of parking lot um, talk of, you know, complaining, because Mm -hmm. usually even if a new, a parent new to me was complaining about something about me, um, other parents would say, go to Jamie. She's super accessible. Talk to her and she'll help you solve this problem. So, you know, all of and you know that hard work that you put in to build that sort of you know nurture that parent community i mean i think it's a really important thing to nurture um because parents are so valuable and su- such a valuable resource of information such valuable they're they're strong advocates for the program and for you it's just really worth the time but it does take time it takes a lot of time. It, it, it's like another classroom that you have to manage, I think, um, because there's so many pieces of it. And I think that, you know, when they see you as their child's teacher, but also when they see you as the human that you are, you just become more real and you're not threatening. You're not a scary individual that they feel like they can't approach. Um, all those sort of, you know, you still have that sense of professionalism, like you are the expert because you're the teacher, but I think they can, um, feel like they can come to you. That's all it is. Because if I think if a parent feels like they can't talk to you or email or whatever, um, that's a bad sign. And you just, you need to work on that. And like you're saying, just find and a meaningful conversation doesn't have to be 30 minutes long. It can be at Carline. It can be in an event. It can be some detail of their life that you remember. It can be like a picture you send home or I don't know. There's, there's so many, so many things. Yep. Or even a, a personal handwritten note. I mean, oh, but yeah. I think, yeah. Um, 
And I, you know, but I don't, I don't advocate using email for much mm-hmm. or texting mm-hmm. with parents, to be honest, mm-hmm. beyond, beyond like, hey, you know, an email or a text if your school allows that to say, hey, I was hoping we could catch up really soon. What's a good time? Right. And then scheduling um, like an in-person or phone call. Yes, or a phone call, Mm -hmm. because it's so easy for tone to be misinterpreted by text or email. Mm -hmm. And particularly, you know, exhausted working parents who are reading these things, you know, when they've got 25 other things they're trying to do, it can be easy for them to misinterpret. So I do really encourage that you only use uh, email or texting to sort of you know, set up a meeting or to send a reminder or those kinds of things, but not for anything that, um, that really matters. Totally. Um, that's a really good point. And, uh, and, and then, you know, make sure that you're following up to, to make sure that those in-person or phone calls, you know, do, do happen. But I, I did encourage parents to go ahead and email me their concerns because I was strong enough to not, get too upset or mm-hmm. overwhelmed by the tone or misinterpret, but it would give me a heads up for our meetings. So if parents had a concern, I was they could call me, they could email, but I made sure they understood that I would not address their concerns in an email, but I was happy to have that prior prior to a meeting. Sure. Oh, I think that, yeah, super helpful to yeah. sort of prepare yourself accordingly. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, um, but but we have to as teachers be really we have to be really thick skinned about that and not interpret okay. any of it as accusation or interpret any of it as as anger. I mean to really just say, Great, this is helpful information and then, you know, and then approach the conference with, you know, positivity and and without feeling attacked. And that requires a lot of sort of maturity and thick skin on our part as teachers. It's but. really hard not to just sit there and take it personally and want to crawl in a hole and, right. you know, cry right. in a puddle of tears. Um, right. And even if you do that at the time, that's yeah. all right. But you just, you still have to go in, hold your head high. And I would just tell myself, it's not a personal attack on me. I would seriously just remind myself again and again, like, they're just worried about their child. It's going to be okay. But it that is a really hard thing because your mind t- can twist that quite easily because you do you care so ferociously about the child and the classroom, right? So it's, well, it's so hard. And we take this responsibility so seriously and we're all working mm-hmm. so hard. Um, but also when you're a parent and something's not going well for your child, it's easy to, you know, to really want to directly solve that problem and that can even when it's not intended to it can come across almost as an as an attack and so um so again for both parents and and teachers I think the key is to assume that we're all here together to work positively and collaboratively for the child and to try to let go of any other interpretation of any email because again tone it's really hard. Humans have a hard time conveying their tone adequately in writing. 
to be honest. I know. And <laughs> yeah, it's either way too nice and it doesn't get like your point doesn't get across or it's just so blunt, I think. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then the blunt can feel like a personal attack. So we just yes. have to sort of let all that go and say, I am assuming they didn't mean this as a personal attack and and mm-hmm. move forward. And that can be, you know, from both directions. And it's <clears throat> it's true in, in face-to-face conversations as well, but it, it's a little easier to resolve those because you're right there. Right, exactly. So I know it's the time of year when teachers are starting to think about conferences yeah. or prepare, mm-hmm. and I just hope that everybody's really excited for them because it is this rare time that you get to talk about this amazing human being that you enjoy so much and that you each parents and teachers um, share a special relationship. I always really enjoyed conferences. I knew it was a lot of work going into it, but I found them to be you know, I, I actually did end up end up look, looking forward to them because I found that they were so valuable. And I, I found also just seeing the joy that parents got from talking about their child or the things that we could talk through to work together, like all of those things, that was really meaningful um, because, you know, you really do think, oh, wow, you are in this too. Because when you're in the classroom, you know, it's very much, you, the parents obviously aren't there, <laughs> you know, but during those meetings, you know, you, yeah, you, you feel like you're all on the same page. Um, and it's, it's nice when you get to that point. Um, and even if you don't feel exactly like some parents aren't on your same page or team or whatever, as long as you're on the child's team, that's all that matters. You know, it's absolutely all that matters. And, you know, remembering that these are some important human relationships to develop, Mm -hmm. you know, it makes all all the difference. And when parents really feel connected to you and feel like you're all working together on the same page, they become the most ardent advocates and supporters of your work and of Montessori in general. Yes. Um, so it's really worth the time and energy. And I mean, I, I am still in touch. So I've been out of the classroom for over 10 years and I still have relationships um, and connections with parents from the time I was in the classroom that I value. Like, I'm so glad that I know them and that I have learned from them and had relationships with them. And I really, I, you know, I'm really grateful for those as well. So beyond just the child, which of course is the most important, right? <laughs> you know, my life is, my life is richer for having known all these parents and been able to to have some relationships with them while their child was in my class and beyond. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Absolutely. That's true. Well, so while you're preparing for conferences, teachers, just get some sleep and don't worry too much. Don't stress too much. Try to enjoy it and think about all the benefits you're going to gain from, from these experiences. It's my main advice. Mostly sleep is my main advice. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Any last minute words, Jamie, advice or no? Yeah, I think, (laughs) I think sleep and enjoy it. And, and administrators, I would encourage you to reconsider the narrative conference report. Um, But if you are doing those teachers, you know, enjoy the time you get to think about those children and put your thoughts down as briefly as possible and then spend a lot of your time enjoying preparing for and enjoying that conference.
conference that you get to have with those parents. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at allthingsmontessoripod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram at at allthingsmontessori. Jamie and I are dedicated to continuing the conversation, and we hope you tune in next time for more discussion.